There is no one-size-fits-all solution for optimizing your sales and marketing organizations, yet how you sell and market is a tremendous differentiator. Value Prime Solutions uses proven formulas and frameworks with a customized approach to increase your sales and marketing ROI. To learn more about how we can help you, visit valueprimesolutions.com. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. For those that don't have time to listen to the entire episode, please feel free to check us out at b2brevexec.com or on iTunes, where, of course, a review is always appreciated. Today, we have with us Adelia Boker, VP of Marketing with Glassbox Digital. Uh, They're a company which provides a platform for understanding and enhancing a customer's digital experience in its entirety. I'm sure I'm not doing that justice, but we'll give Adelia a chance to explain that uh, in a little bit more detail. Um, and as our listeners know, I spent a great deal of time working with companies to perfect their digital experiences in the past and then learning from the insights. So having Adelia on the show is extremely exciting today. And if that's not enough, we're going to focus on how sales is becoming increasingly digital in nature and how you can stay ahead of this trend. So Adelia, first, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show and welcome. It's my absolute pleasure, Chad. Um, so we like to start with a kind of an odd question. <laughs> we like to try and upload uh, value up front for people that can't listen to the entire episode. So I'd like to ask each guest, if you think back across your career uh, to something that might have been a defining moment, something that you go back to over and over, uh, that, that you've learned something from, would love to understand what that what that defining moment was and what you took away from it. Hmm, that's a, that's an interesting question. Uh, I have a couple of defining moments. I, I happen to have relocated twice in my life already so far, and I think uh, one of the most uh, interesting uh, uh, or defining moment, as you call it, was when people gave me a chance. Uh, you know, when you come to a new country and you don't have the network you used to have, uh, and people just trust in you and give you uh, a real chance. The second moment, I, I was actually promoted uh, during my maternity leave, which, which is quite unusual. And again, I think, you know, be, being given a, a vote of confidence is something that I try to take uh, with me uh, and, and give back. And, and then when I, I hire people and I, and I, I try with my teams to uh, always emphasize, you know, what they're good at. And because that's the way to empower people. And I believe that as long as you have uh, people with passion and and good work ethics, that's the the, the only thing you can actually do. The best thing to do is is to basically give them a chance and believe in their their, uh, strength. Excellent. Yeah, it's a servant leadership type of thing, give to get. Uh, very important to recognize that you know in your in your coworkers and yourselves those opportunities are rare. So I'm glad to hear that you've you've benefited from those. So for our listeners, just so that they have a little bit more detail, um, can you kind of tell us about Glassbox Digital and your role there? Yes, absolutely. Um, so Glassbox Digital is a company that is uh, originally from Israel. As of now, we moved the headquarter to uh, uh, London and we also have operations in, in the US. What we actually do is quite simple. If you uh, think of a customer hitting an organization's website or mobile app, uh, the minute a person does that, we actually start recording the session for 
the organization. So it can sound scary, but actually it's really, really useful. Um, and we automatically record, automatically index all the data so that actually we can reconstruct the session in real time. And because we have such rich data, we can of course, run very deep analysis. Uh, so we have an analytics platform with an, an, an ad, a new layer of, of uh, machine learning and, and uh, artificial intelligence. And we are basically able to automatically provide insights on not only what are people doing on your digital channels, but why are, you, are they behaving the way they do? And that can be leveraged across the organization in multiple ways. So it's a true ability to really understand and to kind of, uh, I don't want to say oversee your big brother, but to really see how somebody is actually engaging in that digital experience cross-platform. So it's not just web, it's mobile and any device. Absolutely. And just imagine you, you're sitting on, you know, the people, the person's shoulder and watching a replay <laughs> of their session exactly as they experienced it. So it's, it's quite powerful. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So as we were targeting, um, the topic for today's show, we decided to focus on sales and, and it's uh, increasingly digital aspects. So I was wondering if you could span for our audience, you know, why, why that topic and why are you so passionate about it? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of years ago, I used to uh, meet a lot of customers in, an, in a previous uh, company and, and everybody was trying to map customer journeys across channel. And, and I think that's still a big topic, but actually the journey itself is becoming more and more digital. We, we see, you know, the, and the market potential is, is huge. I mean, I've got with me some statistics, you know, uh, if for e-commerce sales in the UK, they account for just 14% uh, uh, of the total retail sales. In the US, it's, it's only 8%. So, you know, there is still room to grow. But from a preference perspective, 40% of US males um, between the age of 18 and 34 say that they would ideally buy everything online. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and 51 of the Americans, pre you know, uh, state that they, they prefer to shop online, you know, and, and I think we've all, you know, you, we can all relate to that. And we also are more and more demanding from the digital platforms uh, of our service providers. So, you know, 39% of us would actually stop engaging with a website if it takes too long to load. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that's absolutely crazy. And I'm not only, you know, so far I've just been stating e-commerce. If you look at mobile banking, it's huge. I mean, in 2014, 47% of Americans uh, primarily use digital banking. Today, it's already close to 70% wow. uh, of using online banking and mobile banking primarily. So, you know, this is just to illustrate how much, you know, our lives basically have changed in the last, <laughs> in the last decade. And for my children, you know, it, it's become obvious that we don't, you, you know, we don't buy a pair of shoes in store. We just order it from the internet. So that's just to emphasize the importance of the digital channels and having ways to understand how people are behaving on those channels is becoming crucial. And how do, do you do organization acquire these customers, but also how do they behave once they are on your mobile app or on your website? I'm actually old enough that I remember the, the first time that somebody said, oh, no, you just order that online. Don't go to the shoe store and try on the shoes. And yeah. I was like, what? 
how could you possibly do that? And and now, and maybe that's giving away too much of my age, but man, I, yeah. I, it is definitely changed. You're not kidding. Um, yeah. So on the so a lot of this sounds like you know mobile banking and that kind of stuff sounds B to C. Are you seeing some of the same trends on the B to B side, where you're seeing an increase in the digitization of that sales process as well? Absolutely. Uh, I must say that only you know. Only a, a couple of days ago, I was actually with a, a prospect of ours here in the UK. Uh, won't state the name because, you know, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> they are a telco uh, organization and they have a whole organization that sells B2B. They have identified very clearly that in order to engage uh, their, their own customers, they need to be more digital. So it's not only a B2C thing, it, it's becoming increasingly a B2B matter uh, because at the end of the day, you know, the B in B2B is, is still people and people, you know, want the simplicity and the immediacy of, of uh, engaging with a service provider online. And I think that's uh, becoming true across the board. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? The the whole digitization has really, if it's used properly, right? Essentially, what you're doing is you're you're increasing your your chances of having a meaningful connection with a human. But the digitization and the digital aspects allow you to be much more discerning in terms of where you want to spend your time. So if a company absolutely. is not focused on that, then they are definitely behind the curve. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned something in one of your emails, and I, I have to, I'm going to have to read it directly because I'm not 100% sure what it means. Uh, but we were talking about business people feeling like they are, where they are on the self-sufficiency IT dependency access. Yes. Uh, so can you help me understand that? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, pre- I appreciate it. I wasn't very clear. But, you know, if you imagine an access, a spectrum, uh, on one end you have, you know, total you know, self-sufficiency when it comes to accessing the data that you need in order to make decision, business decisions. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have IT dependency, right? So I'm very interested in knowing uh, where business execs feel they are on that spectrum, because I think that what technology brings uh, to the, you know, to the table today is the ability for business users to have access to data in a very self-sufficient manner so that they don't need, you know, to depend on, on IT or on data science scientists in order to get the reports and the data they need to, in order to understand their market or, or their customers. And, you know, Glassbox is, is all about that. It, it's about democratizing the access to data in a way that is digestible, that is very visual, because you know, <laughs> pictures worth uh, a thousand yeah, words. One, one of our one of our customers once said to me, uh, "You know, at the end of the day, big data is ugly." You know, it was quite a a powerful sentence to say, and it's true. And at the end of the day, you want people within an organization to have access to data, to be able to relate to that data in in a way that is friendly, and for everybody to have what is, you know, I'll use the buzzword of 360 or single customer view. But at the end of the day, if if everybody has access to data that is digestible and understandable, then everybody can understand the struggles that customers are facing and be agile enough to fix them in a timely manner. And I think that that's really interesting. Without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's always been, at least in my experience, you know, the big data and those data insights 
you have the data scientists who get it, but then the business people, they kind of look, you know, they can kind of look like a confused puppy, right? Head still to the <laughs> left, like, what, what, what the heck am I looking at? Uh, so yeah. being able to provide them with a solution that makes it accessible to them, I think it's extremely powerful. Absolutely. Especially, you know, in a dynamic environment where you, your, your website and your mobile app are constantly changing. They are, you know, being updated every, every, every week or every month. I mean, these things are very, very dynamic. And being able to go back to data retroactively, being able to access the data, you know, without having heavy maintenance and then tagging and, and, all, and configurations and being able to, you know, be hands-on. <laughs> this is really being hands-on. Uh, I think that's um, really what, what a lot of organizations, at least in the enterprise uh, segment, are looking for today. Excellent. Excellent. You mentioned earlier um, personas, and, and I remember I mean, having spent 10 years with, with digital agencies, we, we used to talk about journey maps and empathy maps, customer personas. And I've seen a lot of more sales organizations attempt to do uh, kind of buyer journeys and buyer personas, right? There's a difference between probably, especially in the B2B space, who you're selling to versus who's actually using uh, the solution. So, I mean, Glassbox provides the ability to look over somebody's shoulder and record those those episodes. But I'm curious if there's a way when you're helping your sales organization uh, think about the buyers that may be the ones that, you know, sign the checks for Glassbox. Do you guys develop buyer journeys and buyer personas to help the sales teams? Or is that really aggregated more from sample data? from the Glassbox platform? To be completely honest, I mean, we're still, you know, at the startup stage. So we're, we're kind of a small and lean organization. We, the answer is we probably should. And what we do tend to, to be very uh, focused on is, you know, mapping our target uh, accounts uh, in a way that we clearly understand who is going to be the user, what's the use case, and who is the decision maker, who is the buyer, as you call it, the buyer persona. Sometimes, you know, it's not a single person sometimes you know budget will come from several sources it can be it can be innovation can be uh, digital it, it varies so the, the buyer persona yeah at the end of the day you want to know what's the journey of, of that single person that you know holds the budget but very often when when you sell to very large organizations it's a complex sales cycle where a lot of people are involved and you you need to spend a lot of time you know, being the ambassador and socializing your solution within within an organization. So to make a long story short, I think the answer is we should, uh, but we haven't reached a, a stage where we have, you know, uh, dedicated marketing assets for each one of the steps of the journey for each one of the personas. Um, but we're getting there. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So we talked about it when we were going emails back and forth, but um, concepts like real timeliness and retroactivity mm -hmm. uh, in terms of data accuracy. Can you help our audience understand what you were referring to there? Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the examples I can give in terms of, of uh, real timeliness is, you know, as an end customer, if I try to self-serve on, on, on a website and I fail to do so for, for whatever reason, right, I'm then falling into the, the obligation, if you will, of calling a call center. A customer care representative is going to uh, answer me. And this, this poor person on the line doesn't have any idea of what just happened to me <laughs> five minutes ago, right? So this is, you know, very frustrating both for me and for that person. Um, and basically, you know, technology and, and Glassbox especially 
provide visibility in real time to that to that specific customer care representative to replay the session you know understand in a matter of a few seconds what's been going on and because it it's it's working in real time that person can almost co-browse without you know taking control taking over your de- desktop uh, but just understand with a slight delay of a couple of seconds what you're trying to do on your website and guide you in real time so that you know some of our customers have reduced the the duration of support calls in the call centers from five minutes to a minute and a half that's 75 percent reduction i mean you know in terms of cost reduction uh you do the math (laughs) it is significant so this this has to do with real timeliness the other aspect of that is that all the data that we collect, you know, can be exported and I can share it with my peers in within the organization. So if I'm a I'm a team leader in the call center and I, I've noticed that my team is dealing, let's say, with a lot of calls on the same topic today, I can then, you know, raise a flag, send all the data with sample replays of the sessions to the IT department and tell them, hey, guys, there seems to be an issue with that page. Could you have a look into it? And because they have access to Glassbox as well, they will be able to identify whether it's a usability issue, an availability issue, maybe it's a performance issue, but really in in very quick timeframes, be able to pinpoint the issue and fix it. So that's that's for real timeliness. Uh, The second aspect I mentioned is retroactivity. You know, we see a lot of our customers using Glassbox for compliance purposes as well uh, and dispute management. Now, because as we said, you know, my my website is looks a certain way today and might look very different tomorrow. Plus, what I see on on you know uh, my bank's website isn't necessarily uh, what you're seeing on the same website because everything is personalized. So, because everything changes, it's very difficult to provide evidence. You know, if you have an audit, if the regulator is is knocking on your door and asking for proofs, it's becoming extremely and increasingly difficult to provide evidences. So uh, with a tool like like ours, uh, but I'm sure there are other (laughs) options, you can actually provide a tamper-proof, time-stamped digital footprint uh, of all the, the, the sessions, and you can go back retroactively and replay sessions even if that happened two or seven years ago, it doesn't matter, right? In the same way your customers experienced them. And actually some of our, you know, some of our customers went to court with, with replays and, and they, went, they won their cases because it is a digital proof that is, you know, unquestionable. So, um, you know, the ability to go back in time and analyze what's been happening. You know, if you identify a, an issue on your website today, you want to understand, you probably want to understand for how long has it been impacting my customers. Uh, and you probably want to be able to also provide remedy and go back to those customers that were impacted. So in order to do that, you need very, very rich data. And this is what we are about. So that's yeah, the, what I meant. The by concepts of, uh, you know, the context um, you know, it becomes more and more important, right? I, again, maybe it's an age thing, but I remember when they first started telling me my cell phone would track where I was and I mm-hmm. thought, why in the world would I want anybody to know where I am? Well, fast forward five, six, seven years. And now if my phone doesn't know where I am, like if it doesn't have that contextual <laughs> awareness, I'm annoyed. 
Right? Yeah. And in the sales process, yeah. it's the same thing. If you're, especially customer experience, if you're dealing with a customer, you really want the ability to understand their context because they, they expect you to now. Expectations exactly. have changed yeah. that way. And so they're willing to give up that. I don't want to use the buzzword privacy, but they're willing to, they're willing to give you more insight into what they're doing if it will provide them a much more frictionless experience. Absolutely. And, and you want, you want also to be able to, in, you know, to integrate the data in, a, in, a, in ways that are meaningful. So if you have, let's say, you know, a, a voice of the customer survey on, on your website, you want to be able to understand let, I'm making that up right now, but let's say I'm, I want to analyze all the sessions. Uh, of people that spend more than five seconds on the cart page, right? So these are very qualified people that are interested. They have something in their cart, but then gave a poor rating to my website, right? These are very tangible, you know, people that I want to get in touch with because a, they are qualified. They wanted, they tried, uh, or maybe they even bought something on my website, but, but, but for some reason they ranked my website poorly. So I do want to understand why. So excellent. And so, all right. So with Glassbox, I can look over, pretending I'm looking over the shoulder of, of my, you know, my customers or my prospects. Um, and I'm curious though, how do you take that single customer view? Right. And link it to kind of aggregate it up for those business executives to enable business agility. So, first of all, you know, we are able because we collect absolutely everything, uh, including, you know, um, what a customer or, or visitor for that matter uh, sees, everything that person does. So, any um, mouse movement any um, finger gesture, if it's on a mobile device, but also anything a person types in, right? We are able to stitch together, if you will, sessions, even though they are disjointed. Uh, so just to give you an example, if, if you know, I browse my bank's uh, website uh, several times a day from the same IP address, and at some point I logged in, Right, I will be able to trace back all that all those sessions because I I have collected both the IP address, the email address of that person, or any you know unique identifier that that person ha- may have typed in, and therefore we are able to understand that this is the same person. Now, how does this translate into a single customer view? Because again, it's a very open system. You can actually pour all the data into your data lake uh, initiative or, or your BI or, you know, whatever data warehouse or uh, big data initiative you may have and basically enrich all the data you already have about your customers and understand, you know, in a deeper way, your customers and visitors. So by, you know, doing that, uh, you increase business agility because you, you break down all the silos, right? You, you, you basically provide all the data and then different people across the organizations are going to use the data in different ways. But at the end of the day, it's all the, you know, the source is the same and, and that's what makes all the, the, the whole difference. Excellent. Excellent. So let's pivot a little bit here and let's, let's talk about kind of your 
top business objective at Glassbox in your role and kind of how you're applying these concepts internally? Right. So, well, you know, we have very simplistic goals I mean, <laughs> uh, because, because we, we are, uh, we are small and uh, we're big enough to, to, to grow and, 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 and small enough to care. Um, <laughs> so the two main goals I have as a VP marketing is a, to, to, um, to create awareness around Glassbox because we, you know, the brand, uh, was created only 18 months ago. So we, we, we really want to, you know, to associate Glassbox to what we're doing, to understand what session replay is, to understand that we're, you know, we're supporting both websites and uh, mobile channels, mobile apps. So uh, it, there's a lot of education to, to be done on one end. On the second end, we don't have the luxury to doing, you know, only awareness and we need to generate leads. So for me, understanding you know, I, I use Glassbox obviously on, on our website and being able to understand, you know, where are people coming from? Where are they uh, struggling on my website? I can, you know, I can give you a very funny example. We were using on our website, you know, the CAPTCHA uh, plugin. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the questions that were asked there were uh, mixing between letters and numbers. So the, the, they would have, you would have, uh, you know, the number six plus then the field that people need to fill in equals eight, but eight written in letters, right? <laughs> and people would get confused because they didn't know if they needed to fill in the, 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 the field with a figure or with letters. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, these are things you can only understand if you watch the replays. If not, I mean, I wouldn't have never imagined that this was an issue, but it was. And, you know, when people were dropping, uh, abandoning the, the, the session because of that. So it's really a matter of drilling into uh, what's happening on your digital channels, uh, being able to react immediately. You know, when someone um, performs a, tra a transaction or requests a demo, uh, being able to react to that and and uh, forward it to the to the relevant salespeople, et cetera, et cetera. So it's being very very agile and hands on. And so when you when you're trying to increase that awareness and, and understand how your own customers are are going through the website and the buyer's journey, I know you guys are a startup and and every I mean I've done my fair share, so everybody wears multiple hats. I'm kind of curious. Do you have a you know a, a sales team that you work with, or is it really just kind of all hands on deck? Uh, if there's a prospect, it's, you know, how, how do you guys approach that? Well, we, we definitely have a sales team. We actually have a hybrid model. So in the U.S. and in the U.K., we work direct. In the rest of the world, we, we work with business partners. We work with the, the big big guys, and but also with local uh, uh, SIs. And we have a team of uh, customer success as well to make sure that, you know, that all our proof of concepts are scoped properly and that, you know, customers are happy along the entire journey from, you know, the very beginning when we uh, start discussing the POC through the commercials and, and then when they use Glassbox as customers, make sure that they uh, actually get the value out of the tool. So, um, yeah. So if I'm a, if I'm a sales rep for Glassbox, sorry, just dawned on me. So if I'm, if I, let's say I was selling Glassbox to mm -hmm. B2B enterprises, I would have the ability to see what my prospect had done, not just to see the like page links. Like today, most systems will say, Hey, they went to this page or they went to that page or, you know, that kind of stuff. But I actually, as a sales rep could replay. So, you know, call it, I don't know, let's pretend it's Wells Fargo. Let's say I'm selling the Wells Fargo and I, 
know they came from the right IP address. So I can actually see as a sales rep how my prospect went through that site across the multi-platform digital touch points. I could replay that as I prepped for my next meeting. Absolutely. That's exactly what we do. That is awesome. I can give you... Sorry, it just dawned on me. I'm like, holy crap, I want that. I know, it's jaw-dropping, right? <laughs> but yes, absolutely. I can give you the example of, of one of our uh, uh, UK customers. Actually, uh, it's one of the top banks here in the UK. I want, again, I mean, most of our customers want to remain, you know, uh, anonymous. Sure. But they discovered, you know, they knew they had a conversion rate issue on their online account opening rate and there was a lot of pressure and there was an entire analyst team across India and the UK working on that issue and they couldn't you know they couldn't put their heads around what what the problem was we came in and at the POC level so doing the proof of concept we were able to show them that you know we started capturing all the sessions of those those people that did not convert and we what we made them realize is that people that you know, uh, that spent 20 minutes on, on a form filling in their personal information in order to open an online account. But all the people that had special characters or spaces in their names would actually be ejected at the end of the process without having any error message or any notification telling them that there was an issue. You know, and this bank happens to be the number one bank in the UK for people relocating. So all the people, you know, from, from South Europe or even Northern Europe with all these weird characters and accents on their names, <laughs> um, all these people would actually go through the entire process, click submit, and just at the end, be ejected from the system. So, you know, <laughs> that, that, and we were literally able to show them that uh, in, in, in a few minutes, right? So... You know, take that to, oh, and another example, if I may, if we still have time. Sure. They realized they had a loan page for short-term loans. And on that page, there were two sliders, right? One for the amount that people wanted to borrow and the other slider for the duration. And the minimum duration for these short-term loans was 24 months. And what they realized is that people were trying to pull the slider uh, to the left further to the left because they wanted to reimburse in less than 24 months. But there was no such offering, you know, there was no such product. So they actually went with these replays to their CEO and said, look, we have an opportunity there. Let's, you know, let's create a product of, of, you know, short-term loans for 12 to 18 months. And, you know, there's demand for it. So it's not only about, you know, uh, usability issues. It, it, you know, you can also reveal or identify the opportunities in, in, in your market. So, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's an amazing good. tool. I mean, I spent so much time with companies trying to help them understand why design and that experience thing was so important. But to be able to actually have a tool that can validate that and uncover not only friction areas or, or user areas, but business opportunities. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty powerful offering. And as yeah. a salesperson, I'm literally sitting here thinking, man, I would love to have the ability to see what some of my prospects were really looking at, how they were interacting with, you know, all of the digital assets that we put out. So very, uh-huh. very impressive tool. Very impressive. <laughs> so let's change direction just a little bit. As we get towards the end of the interviews, I ask guests kind of two standard questions. Um, the first is simply, you know, as a VP of marketing in a startup, you, that makes you kind of a, a prospect for some people who are out there trying to sell you things. And so I'm curious, what is it as a revenue executive that would get your attention or uh, inspire you to engage with someone uh, who was trying to sell you something? 
cautious. <laughs> uh, I am a target. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a <laughs> it's a very very good question. Actually, you know, you, you sent me these questions yesterday evening at my time. I, I kept on thinking, how am I going to answer that question? Because it's very difficult to pinpoint what it makes me actually open and read an email. I think, I think there's, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, was it 39% of people would, uh, would abandon a website if uh, it takes too much time to load? I think there was another statistic, I didn't mention it, but about if the user, the user interface is not nice and, and friendly, I, I won't even look at it. So all these very uh, wordy emails, I think what it all comes down to is when people that are, reaching out are really genuine and are coming to, to me with, with a proposition that really relates to my needs as a startup. Some, some people, you know, have very generic emails and you can, you get the feel that they kind of, it's spamming, right? It, it's really, sure. they, they send the same, the same thing to everyone. And, and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm using these tools myself. So I know there are ways to personalize, etc. but when someone, you know, reach out to a business, my, you know, our size, I think you have to put your, yourself in their shoes and relate to their, to their needs. So anyone who uh, comes up with a proposition that is not risky, that uh, relates to my target audience, you know, that gives me something before asking me to get something, all these things um, make me react in a positive way. All the, all the automated stuff, which I can very easily, you know, identify. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure. getting very, you know, some, some names have become my virtual best friends. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting emails from the same person I've never spoken to. And, and it, it's kind of because I'm, I'm not always unsubscribing or not always asking to remove my myself from, from their distribution is I keep getting them. I'm not even looking at these, at these emails. So I think being short and to the point, being crisp, having emails that look good, right? That what moves the needle for me um, when it comes to reacting to, a, to someone who's uh, targeting me as, as a potential customer. So it's a totality of the experience, right? It's, it's authentic. Yeah. It's genuine. Uh, it's, it's not coming right at you with an ask. It's, it's understanding, doing the research, understanding that you may have specific problems they might be able to help and making sure that they're professional and, and courteous and respectful of the amount of time that they're, they're taking. Um, Absolutely. And stating why, you know, what sets them apart, because many of the, the emails that I'm getting are so similar, you know, <laughs> why, why, why would I even, you know, respond to someone who's telling me that he's doing the best SEO, Right. Uh, I mean, they're all saying the same, right? If you come with a, you know, <laughs> if you come with a real, you know, rationale and with with a couple of references, then I'm happy to, you know, get in touch. Okay, excellent. So, last question, we call it our acceleration insight. So, if there was one thing you could tell, you know, sales, marketing uh, professionals, one piece of advice that you think would help them you know, uh, beat their targets, be more successful, what would that be and why? Um, I think the best piece of advice I would give, but that's maybe because I'm very startup minded, um, <laughs> is to, is to dare and to do, you know, I like the 80, 20 rule. I don't wait for things to be a hundred percent perfect. Uh, and also because I'm half Israeli, you know, don't get stuck because the door is closed. 
because <laughs> if, the, if, the, if the door is closed, there's always a window. <laughs> yeah, you can always break from, you know, there's always a window. You can get in from through the window. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's really the spirit, uh, being creative, daring, being, you know, different, uh, and not trying to be perfect. Again, as you told me at the beginning of the interview, right? There's no such thing as being perfect. Right. Um, and that's my piece of advice. That's, for that's what's excellent. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's excellent. I mean, I think a lot of people these days have a tendency to be easily distracted or dissuaded from, from what their goals are. And, and while there's just as many tools out there to help from a digital standpoint, uh, to make mm-hmm. it easier, there's, there's mm-hmm. more noise too. So people have to be a little bit more focused. I think that's, I think that's excellent advice. Well, thank you for that. So, all right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Um, please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers, and please do us a favor, write a review on iTunes. But Delia, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise, Chad. Again, thanks everyone for listening to our, into our day for these valuable insights. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you and your team nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.